between the unveiling of the newly renovated Simon Scott Assembly Hall and the candy stripe uniforms for the homecoming football game and BTN tailgate show being in town, it was quite a big homecoming weekend, an exciting homecoming weekend, and uh, the Indiana football uh, homecoming game against uh, number 10 Nebraska certainly lived up to that billing. Indiana falls to Nebraska 27-22, however, uh, in a game where largely the defense held up its end of the bargain, but the offense continued to show some of the same issues that has plagued it over the last couple of weeks. Hey everybody, what's up? I'm Stu Jackson. I'm your host for episode 12 of the Heard on the Hoosier podcast, joined by Sam Bysizen, our main football writer. And again, Sam, just another Saturday, another top 10 opponent, um, another uh, set of struggles for the Indiana offense. And I don't know if there's maybe one thing in particular you can pin it on, but for whatever reason, this offense is just in a funk and can't seem to get out of it. Yeah, nobody can really pin it on, quite honestly, anything. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. You ask the players, and they legitimately don't really have answers for you. Kevin Wilson, all he can say is that they're not scoring the ball. Great. Yeah, no, we, we noticed that by your lack of production. But that's just the, the fact of the matter. It's not that they can't move the ball. Indiana is like fifth in the Big Ten in yards per game. It's just that their scoring offense is non-existent. They're like 10th in the Big Ten. There's just such a disparity there, and it's killing Indiana. When the defense keeps on putting itself in a position to win, the offense more or less lets it down. It, it, it's, it's at a point where halfway through the season it's a trend. We know it's a trend. The offense just isn't there. The defense is, and they have to work it out. I, I do think it's a it's a fixable problem, clearly, because if you can move the ball that well, why can't you just get in the end zone? Whatever it is, this thing, this mythical thing that nobody seems to be able to explain, it needs to be corrected now. And luckily, it can be with the schedule ahead with the teams like Northwestern, Purdue, Maryland, Rutgers, all kind of looming in there. You, you do have chances to fix it. You do have chances to get in the end zone. But it's, it's like at a point where it, it's almost hard to believe that this offense is letting this team down. I mean, the coaches won't say it because they don't like excuses and, and don't want to use it as an excuse. But the fact of the matter is this offense isn't the same when Dan Feeney isn't on that right side of the line. Jacob Bailey, well, and I should say Dimitri Camille as well, who is still out indefinitely after having uh, back surgery a couple weeks ago or something like that. But, um, you know, without those two, I mean, again, give credit to Jacob Bailey and Brandon Knight. They're filling in as best as they can, and, they, and they've done, you know, well, all things considered. But, you know, too often Indiana is trying a stretch run to the right side, or at least it seemed like it um, in, you know, Saturday's game against Nebraska, and it just did not work. And so – to me, that's probably the most immediate fix is whenever Dan Feeney comes back, having a preseason All-American right guard on your line, I think will help. Um, you know, eliminating some of the uh, self-inflicted mistakes that they keep talking about each week, um, which, again, maybe that's just due to a lack of experience on the line. I, I don't know, but um, I don't know. Here, here, Feeney coming back will help, but... 
Or, or am I missing something? You're, I don't think you're alone in thinking that Feeney will help, but I here's a hot take for you. I don't think he matters, even a, even a little bit. I don't think he has anything to do. Okay, he has something to do with this problem, clearly because he's an All-American. But I, I truly don't think that the drop-off is that significant from Feeney to the next guy, whoever it ends up being, Brandon Knight, whatever it ends up being. I actually don't think that's that big of a deal. I, I think I think the problem extends so much further than, than that, and maybe you can look at it and say, I mean, clearly we need a solution to this problem, and that's like the most obvious, like, oh, it's got to be. It has to be Dan Feeney. That makes sense that I can, I can connect those two things. Can't run the ball to the right. Must be Dan Feeney. But I think while there's no problem with that, I think we're letting a lot of kids off the hook. That, that can't be let off the hook. We're letting off Divine Redding for disappearing the last few weeks. We're letting off Richard Lego for, and I guess, and Xander Diamant now, for, for not being able to operate this offense at the level it needs to. We're, we're letting off the receivers who have done mostly well this year, but again, they have games where they disappear. Maybe that's more on Lego that they, they're not getting targeted. I don't know. I just feel like we're letting everybody off the hook in saying that. And most importantly, we're letting Kevin Wilson and Kevin Johns off the hook for whatever's not firing in the play calling and just the decision making, you know, I, I am a true believer that you can basically win any football game with any team based on coaching, and the coach can make the biggest difference in football uh, more than any other sport because he's the one calling the plays, and you can trick anybody with a fancy play because anybody's trickable. I, I know I don't like to say Kevin Wilson's making poor play calls. I just don't think whatever he's putting together is working right now. Maybe it's just he doesn't. He's not clicking with the personnel he has, and that's why he's throwing Xander Diamond out there. He's putting Richard Lego in there. He's trying, you know, this running back, that running back. He's trying everything he can, and there's no there's no fault in that. They just can't get going. So, yes, I do think Dan Feeney makes an impact. I do think Demetri Camille has an impact. But Richard Lego's not getting sacked too often, which I think is a sign that the offensive line is mostly holding up to, the, to that extent. I, I think it's a bigger problem than that. I think, I think there's some structural maybe mental, maybe both issue going on here that just they got this offense in a funk that it cannot snap. And it's not like basketball where you can snap out of a funk in, in the next day or baseball where, okay, you got tomorrow. Football is what you got. <laughs> you got 12 games. If you're in a funk, you're in a funk, and it's really hard to snap out of trends because one game is a trend already in itself. Yeah, it's obviously not the responsibility of – uh, Dan Feeney or Dimitri Camille for this offense to convert in the red zone or uh, the scoring zone, as the coaches like to say. Oh, yeah. Love the scoring zone. And, you know, they came away with what I felt like were some missed opportunities. Granted, three, point, three points is better than no points, but when your defense creates two takeaways inside the 30 and both trips result in – you know, three and outs or near three and outs and, you know, three points on the board. I mean, that's just... It's unacceptable. It, I mean, you can't it, do it. Right, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it was one of the biggest reasons, or not reasons, but I felt that was a big difference in the game. That was what I wrote about in my uh, sidebar uh, story after afterward. I mean, the defense clearly... Uh, came to play and you know created the takeaways it needed to you know gave IU's offense great field position and even with that great field position it couldn't it couldn't come up with um, it couldn't come up with um, a touchdown basically and, and you know what we're doing we're saying this every week like literally every week yeah if it sounds like a broken record or a recording 
I mean, it's probably getting to the point where it is at this point. Right. I mean, we might as well record that bit and just keep, keep adding yeah. it to, you know, the midway point of this podcast or, or you know, wherever yeah, let's we're just, at. Let's just give you a preview. Yeah, Indiana couldn't score against Northwestern efficiently. That's right. probably going to be true. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, so we'll see what happens. And it but is a trend. It is. It, no, it definitely it's is. It's worth you, talking about because this is a problem that's going to hurt Indiana throughout the season. It already they, has. They they entered this game with uh, the fifth, I believe, the fifth worst red zone percentage in, in the country. That's bad. 12, 12, 12 of 18. Um, now, granted, it, you know, there are teams that are tied in there, and, and uh, you know, it's five games. It was five games, and it was kind of a – Still, maybe is still kind of a small sample size, but nonetheless, it's a trend, and there, there's they've got to find a way to, to fix this. There's you know, you know they're trying everything. I mean, we saw Xander Diamant in at quarterback for the first time this season as kind of a change of pace option, and I mean, he appeared to provide a little bit of a spark. The offense seemed to be moving quicker. But even then, that wasn't the solution because he, he still couldn't get into the end zone on some of his, you know, using his speed on some of those read option plays. So I guess it begs the question, you know, will we see more Xander Diamant? Is he the answer? I mean, I, I, I suggested in our game thread that uh, in our forums that maybe Lego plays between the 20s, if you will, and then Diamant's used inside the 20. But... I'm not sure that's even a, a, a plausible solution uh, after Saturday's game. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, it's clever. I just don't – maybe not. I maybe. that's – I mean, that'd be crazy, but I don't put that past Kevin Wilson. You know who definitely thinks he's going to play a lot more? You know who definitely thinks Xander Diamond's going to play a lot more down the rest of the year? Xander Diamond. Because he's talking like – post-game press conference, I could not tell you how many times Xander goes, you know – uh, we'll be rolling next week. I'll be rolling next, like as if it's already decided that Xander Diamond is going to be like the star of the offense next week. I love this kid so much. It's because he's confident. He's cocky. He wants to. He he does come out there, and he was at one point had like a QBR of like two hundred nine. He was three of three passing in the first half. Finishes five of seven for forty nine yards. Uh, was for a very long time the the leading rusher for had Indiana. He, he had he had eight carries for thirty one yards against Nebraska, but I think. His within his first three carries, or after his first three carries, he was already IU's leading rusher, which that in itself should just show you how much this run game has struggled when it takes Xander Diamant three carries to be the best, <laughs> the, leading the, the, the leading rusher in the game momentarily uh, for Indiana. Yeah, it's and, and Xander it does provide that little Johnny Manziel in him spark that Kevin Johns is probably kicking himself for saying three years ago now um, where he can just kind of just throw an electric spark into the offense. Uh, everyone calls him a spark plug or whatever it is. Spark plug is just like a fancy term for saying we don't know what the heck's going to happen when he's out there. I feel like that's, that's more or less what spark plug yeah, means. It's, it's a polite way of saying, well, let's throw him out there and see what happens. Yeah. And, and that's what they did. They, and I, I should and say everybody that, was that, shocked. That, that's not to discredit Xander's talent. I love he's Xander. obviously a very, very quick, you know, Still, you know, able to make accurate throws, clearly. But, I mean, <laughs> I think that's a fair way of putting it. Yeah, it's and he he does come in there. He's got that read option, or as I like to call it, uh, a Xander is going to keep the ball and there is no option play where he, he, I mean, he takes think, off with it. Yeah. 
Xander's a great dude, but uh, I think that he focuses more on the option than in read option, where it's optional if he wants to hand it off to the running back. It's yeah, like, it, oh, oh, I have the option, but I, I think I'll, I'll take it and try to use my speed. Yeah, but that was his job. You know what I mean? At That's the end true. of the day, Kevin Wilson wanted him out there to do that, so you have to respect the quarterback. So you just keep letting the quarterback run it until they're like, oh, God. But then, you know, Richard Lego trots out there later and tries to do the same thing, and nobody's going to bite on that because Richard Lego's not going to take off with the ball. Hey, this, is, this is the problem with Andrew Diamond coming in there. You, players talked a lot about during the Trey, Nate Sudfeld era thing that they were confused no matter what, which quarterback comes out there. During the fact, they said, we don't care who's out there. It's the same thing to us. But then afterwards, they started admitting, yeah, it's hard to keep up with the change of pace. So right now, they're going to be at the point where they go, oh, yeah, we don't care who's out there, knowing that two years from now, they'd be saying, yeah, it does matter. So it's going to be confusing to these other offensive players. It's so hard to just throw the quarterback out there, not just like mid-game, mid-drive. There was points where Xander just came out halfway through, and it was like, okay, Go take the offense, Xander. Like, what are you doing? And I think it's a valid question to ask if these, you know, guys will feel confused moving forward uh, the rest of the season, um, or if you know if they feel like that's a potential risk. I mean, even if they they won't admit it, which I mean, I doubt they will. That that they they wouldn't, you know, throw shade. I guess, for lack of a better term at the coaching staff like that or, you know, disrespect the coaching staff like that or their teammates. But, I mean, it's 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 fair to say that, I mean, again, based on historical evidence, that it's very much a, a real possibility. So we've focused on the defense doing its thing and playing well like it has the last three games despite facing some uh, very talented uh, dual-threat quarterbacks. Uh, we've looked into the problems and solutions of the uh, for potentially for the IU offense. Uh, let's talk about the halfway point because that's where we're at now uh, we in are. the football season. Um, where in your mind, Sam, is IU at and uh, what should the expectations be moving forward? I mean, you kind of alluded to what their schedule looks like and maybe the winnable games that they have. Again, what's sort of the outlook for the second half of the season based on what we've seen through these first six games? Again, you and I both agree on this. They're going to a bowl because all they got to do is win five games. We know that. So everything's going to be happy and whatever at the end of the game or at the end of the year. So that's the good news. We talked about last week kind of being a program-changing week where if they beat Nebraska, then all of a sudden, oh, my God, this team has made that jump. Uh, They didn't beat Nebraska, and – all of a sudden, they're right back to where we thought they were. It's three and three through six games. Uh, it's technically a game behind where they were a year ago, which, okay, what, whatever. I mean, uh, I would argue that they've also faced stiffer competition to this point. And they have a far more impressive win in Michigan State. Uh, I mean, all four of your wins last year were against non-conference teams, and it wasn't that impressive. So, yeah, they're three and three through six. Uh, we're looking ahead at Northwestern this weekend in Evanston. Uh, that's a winnable game, and that becomes a trend because then they have Maryland and Bloomington, a winnable game. Rutgers on the road. I- anybody that plays Rutgers has certainly got a really good chance of winning. That's so that's a winnable one. Penn State back in Bloomington, winnable game. Michigan and Ann Arbor, 
you take take the L there. Just don't get hurt. And then Purdue, back at home, that's five winnable games out of six. All you need is two of them to get to five and more than likely be bowl, be bowl eligible. Uh, three more wins, six, I think would be kind of like the fan base is okay. That's that's okay. We're, we're, pretty, we're pretty happy with that. And, of course, seven is progress, and that's kind of what the fans need to see. So do they win four games out of these remaining six? I think that's pretty tough because Northwestern is kind of putting together what they need to put together these last few weeks. I think they're looking better. Maryland on the – yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I mean, wanted to touch on Northwestern real quick. I mean – They're all right. They 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 uh, they did a number on uh, Michigan State this past Saturday. Yeah, that Michigan I mean, State win isn't that was impressive. An, granted, yeah, I, I should say, granted, it's a bit of a down year more so than people expected, I think, for the Michigan State Spartans. But, I mean, that was quite the offensive explosion by uh, – North Pat Fitzgerald's Northwestern Wildcats out of nowhere. Yeah, we should have a podcast later about why Mark D'Antonio is a great coach, but it has a terrible team this year. Because I still don't understand that. But yeah, Northwestern's de- point is we could get, we're going to go into all these teams throughout the rest of the few weeks here. Yeah. But Indiana's in a, in a spot where it needs to be, and assuming the wheels don't fall off, and quite honestly, playing two quarterbacks sporadically is a sign that the wheels are starting to fall off. I think. They should be. They should be fine. This is a bowl team, and nobody should be worried yet. Uh, you can start panicking if and only if uh, they'd have to lose the three in a row. They'd have to lose three more games. They'd have to lose to Northwestern, Maryland, and Rutgers for it to be like, oh boy, you got to panic. And I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you, Sam. I think there are quite a few. Actually, really, mostly, pretty much the majority, all, all, all but the Michigan all game, but Michigan. in my opinion, are very winnable games. Which, again, there's a, that leaves you with a good chance of going eight and four. Theoretically, you could, but again, this team's margin for error is very small, despite a much improved defense because of of what is right now a very flawed offense that still hasn't managed to fix its problems. Um, whether it's a lack of a run game, whether it's uh, mistakes being made by the quarterback, you know, whatever it may be. Um, eight and four, I think is definitely a possibility um, winning five out of the last six. But again, it starts with correcting the mistakes on offense and backing up a defense that is playing with confidence for the first time in, a long time. Yeah, and, and I I hate hypotheticals. Hypotheticals are stupid because stop living in fantasy land. But one hypothetical I do enjoy and do agree with is that last year's offense and this year's defense is a Rose Bowl team, and you have to put that in perspective. If you had that offensive unit with Jordan Howard, an NFL guy, Jason Spriggs, an NFL guy, Nate Sudfeld, an NFL guy, and like literally all of the best pieces of this year's team still on that team, that – that, that would be an, an, an NFL-caliber team. No. That would be a Rose Bowl-caliber team, that upper-level bowl team with Tom Allen's defense, which is proof right there that the pieces have been in Bloomington. At wrong times, they've been in Bloomington. Just, they, just, they just haven't overlapped, or it's just you know been unfortunate timing with that right, lack but of they've, overlap. But they've been there, and that's that is yeah. that is, and they could be there next year. It just kind of depends on what happens with Richard Lego or Xander Diamond or perhaps Peyton Ramsey or so. You know what I mean? Something has to to click. Something has to to get there. I, I think I think this team's in a fine spot halfway through. I truly do, and 
all they got to do is kind of take care of business these last six weeks, which Indiana football fans you should be pretty pleased with. Yeah. Again, this is this team is I think where as we talked about earlier where we expected it to be, and you know it's contended pretty closely with Ohio State and Nebraska. But again, as Tony Fields, a, a junior safety for the Hoosiers, said after Saturday's game, I mean. Moral victories like that are no longer acceptable for this program. And they shouldn't be. And they yeah, I agree. Be. They're at the point now, Kevin Wilson's in his sixth year that, you know, they're, they're past the point of, you know, talking about incremental progress and things like that. So, uh, again, second half of the season should be interesting. Um, Indiana's kind of at a disadvantage because uh, they had a bye what, the third week of the season. And that could bite them later. It truly could. I mean, I because – I mean, maybe we want to touch on that before we wrap up because um, in terms of, again, fixing, fixing excuse me, the uh, some of the mistakes that we've talked about, them, um, you know, plaguing both sides of the ball um, in, in some instances, um, you know, they had that bye so early in the season that now it's, you know, they don't have just one week around the middle point of the season where they can be like, okay, we have a really substantial sample size that we can say, this is where things have gone wrong. Here, here's how we can fix it. And had, you know, close to a week and a half, two weeks, whatever it may be, to correct those mistakes. Yeah, it just doesn't exist. I mean, you're in it for the long haul. You're, what was it? Nine game stretch here. Is that what it, nine games or is it ten? Uh, nine. Nine games. Okay, so nine yeah, games. Because the, the conference uh, slate started October 1st. Yeah, nine games there in a row where you just have to go and grind. And there's going to be injuries piling up. I mean, Jacob Robinson is back after his concussion. That was good. But Cole Guest is still nowhere to be seen. Dan Feeney, like we said, nowhere to be seen. It's it's at a point where you, you got what you got and you just have to kind of work with it on the fly. You can't really take weekends off, you know, because you have to play these teams – it's not right to be like, well, let's just assume this is a loss against Michigan, so let's like use it to toy around with things. You know what I mean? That's right. That could end really poorly, and if you're going to do that, you would also do that against Nebraska, perhaps. I, I don't know. It's it's going to burn them because they're going to get tired, and they're going to have to push through. This is a relatively experienced team. That's kind of good for them. But you know, what's Tom Allen's defense going to do when it does start to struggle? Because at some point it is. It's, it's played really good football the first six weeks. But there's going to be a team out there that's going to break them. And how are they going to respond to it? They don't have a bye week to kind of fix their mistakes. They just got to keep rolling forward. It's going to test these guys. It is. And it's it's going to be interesting to watch the rest of the year. In the near future, we will have plenty of coverage uh, previewing uh, next, this upcoming Saturday's game against the Northwestern Wildcats. That's a road contest in Evanston. So be sure to check out thehoosier.com or indiana.rivals.com for full coverage of that throughout the week, uh, beginning Monday. Uh, again, we'll be going back and writing about where, where uh, you know, things went wrong, kind of the overlap between um, what went well and what didn't go so well and how it's being corrected or how it's going to apply to Northwestern. So, again, be sure to check out our website for uh, plenty of coverage throughout the week. We'll also have our uh, preview podcast up. Um, on Thursday, or at least that's when it's scheduled to uh, get published, or at least that's what we strive for. So, again, uh, plenty of coverage throughout the week on thehoosier.com. Be sure to check it out. For Sam Bysizen, I'm Stu Jackson. Thank you for listening.